0: I told you I'm particularly excited about this one because um, the title of the sermon is "Lord of Your Life." Uh, about um, two years ago, um, actually, yeah, it was January 2021. Um, I preached a similar sermon, um, so I'm I don't always do this. I don't always do this, but there are some times where in sermon prep, I go back over the last couple of years and just process, what have we, <laughs> what have we been preaching about? What has been going on in the life of unison? Um, and this was a week where I did that, um, and this particular sermon stood out. Um, and I thought, you know, it's probably a good thing for us to kind of hear again. So it's not the exact same sermon, but the subject matter is exactly the same. Uh, And I find that we need those reminders every once in a while. We'll be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27, but I need us before we go there to acknowledge some tension in this portion of Scripture. Before we even get there, I'm going to give you a heads up. That this portion of scripture has been used in the past in oftentimes abusive and controlling ways that would cause you to be motivated mostly by fear of punishment rather than love of God. Just being honest. Because when we get in there, some of you are like, you might go to emotionally, you may go to the first time you heard this when somebody said it to you and it was not motivated by love. It was motivated by fearing you into behavior management. (laughs) And I want us to be able to set that aside for a second. If you want to take it with you when you go, you can, but I would encourage you not to. I would encourage you to leave it here, pretend that it is a burnt offering, (laughs) burn it up. But if you feel the need to take it with you because in some way it comforts you, then take it with you. But for now, I need you to put it to the side because you will miss what's happening in this portion of Scripture if your mind goes there. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking, and he says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. I want to pause. I have kingdom of heaven underlined because I want to talk about the fact that that's not primarily a place. Right. Like some of us, we've heard this scripture and we're like, not everybody's going to get into heaven. (laughs) Right. Like like and in many ways, use it to make some kind of anxious feelings about (laughs) eternity. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Think kingdom as in a people. right? The kingdom of or nation of the kingdom of God right? That's the best way for us to think about that. He continues, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Some of us already are like, uh, I have memories about this. Uh, I'm gonna talk about God's laws in just a second. But I want us to sit for a moment in the tension of what Jesus is talking about. Is there other portions of scripture that talk about lots of angelic and heavenly beings acknowledge that God is God. That's not special to us. God is God in there. God doesn't actually even need you to acknowledge that God is God for God to be God. So there is not a, like, this is not something about us giving God kudos for being the Lord of all creation, and that is what makes things good with us. Nope. Jesus is pulling back a layer that says that you acknowledging God's bigness is not enough. And so many times we talk about just believing and believing in faith is what locks it in. Nope, sorry. Oh, But I'm not saying you got to do a bunch of stuff to lock it in. I think that's actually the, the part that gets mixed up is we, we stop here, we stop here, and we say we have to avoid a bunch of things or we have to do a bunch of things to lock it in, and that isn't what Jesus is talking about. I want us to live in the tension that Jesus is acknowledging, revealing, teaching some that your belief in me does not lock in the relationship with me. There's a whole bunch of beings out there that believe that I am God that I do not know. (laughs) And I don't know is not I don't know who you are. It's not I don't know what people call you. I don't know your life story. If God is God, then God sees all things, and that's not what we're talking about. I don't know is I have no intimacy with you. I have no closeness with you. Biblical no. (laughs) Right? It's a biblical kind of no. I don't know you you may know who I am, you may know how powerful my name is, you may be able to do a whole bunch of things using this name, but you and I have zero closeness. Peace out. (laughs) Peace, look Todd, peace out, all the way. You who break God's laws I want to talk about God's laws for a second. And from Jesus' perspective, God's laws are what he says in Matthew chapter 22. It's going to show up here. There's people asking him, hey, what's the, big, what's the greatest commandment? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He sums it up in this concept of loving God with your whole self and loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm not trying to simplify that. The reality is that's more complex than having a list of things to do and not do. There's a certain brand of humility that's required (laughs) for you to fully love God with your whole self and love your neighbor as yourself. And that is actually more challenging. I know many of us are like, when Jesus came and he fulfilled the law, he made it easy so we didn't have to do all of those things in Leviticus. No, he made it so that you actually have more complex things that you have to do. You can't just memorize what to do today. You actually have to be led by the Spirit. And constantly be humble before God and other people when honestly, if I got a checklist of things to do, I don't even have to be humble. (laughs) If I have a checklist of things not to do, I can do that arrogantly. And there was actually a whole bunch of people doing that when Jesus was talking. It's a part of actually why he breaks it down like that. He's like, listen, if I tell y'all what to do and what not to do, you're going to go with another checklist and then you're going to be haughty when you get into the temple. Let me make it real complex and real simple. Love. And that means that I have to be checking myself daily. And <laughs> that was a little bit of a segue, a, a little bit of a rabbit trail, sorry. But we're going to go back to what Jesus was talking about when he was saying, like, you, you people who don't follow God's law. He says this in verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. This is after Jesus is saying, like, listen, I don't know who you are, (laughs) right? Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, It won't collapse because it is built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Some of us actually have never known that those two things are close to one another. They're one thought that Jesus is having. Like, it's not something like Jesus is saying this, he takes a little lunch break, they reconvene, and he teaches something else. This is one flow of thought. There's lots of people who act like they know me, and they're doing a lot of miracles out here, but I don't know them at all. And if y'all don't follow what I'm telling you, you're going to be like a house that when the wind comes, it collapses. That's the whole of that little section. that's when we actually get to this idea of Lord. See, what Jesus is saying there is there's lots of people who call me Lord, but they're not actually living that out. (laughs) They're not actually living that out for real. They're not loving the way that I'm talking about loving. It's not about them not playing Uno. Some of y'all grew up and you couldn't play cards, I know. Some of y'all grew, listen, okay? You couldn't wear red lipstick. (laughs) Shoulders couldn't be out. (laughs) Arms couldn't be out. Listen, okay? (laughs) Some of us have a whole list of things that we were supposed to do and not do. And Jesus isn't talking about that. But what Jesus is saying, though, is I've taught you how to love. And, yeah, you're going to do a bunch of wonderful, powerful things that have to do with my name, but I don't really know you. And if you aren't following what I'm saying, all of the stuff that you're building will mean absolutely nothing. That's this idea of Lord. We're going to keep talking about Lord, but I actually need help from someone. It doesn't matter who. I just need someone to help me. Yeah, you can come on up here. You, you were pointing to your nose. Like, <laughs> Benji, ben, what, is that, like, not it? That's, oh, that's, <laughs> so, Sophie was like, not it. <laughs> so I told you about this. Thank you, Benji. I told you this, this particular brand of humility that's required um, uh, to love God. But there's all, this is a part of what it is to be, have Jesus be your Lord, We oftentimes think about the idea of Jesus being our Lord and obeying God's command as a part of of us actually avoiding punishment, but it's really not. This is a continuation from last week's sermon. God's love for you, God desires good for you, right? Whenever God is giving us commands, it's not because he wants to limit us, but also, but ultimately wants us to have fullness of life. And there is a ultimate good that is involved with what God is saying to us. So, I got to put this down for a second because Benji and I are, we're going to pretend, okay, I am not God. I don't want that heat, (laughs) okay, (laughs) to be honest. But for a moment, we're going to pretend I'm Lord, you're Benji. You don't have to work too hard. (laughs) because we both have a definition of what good is. You and I both do. And there is this partnership when I accept Christ as my Savior, this partnership that allows for us to walk together. And there are some times when the good that you want, God is actually fine with. So, there's a good over there that you want? Well, then, yeah, we're going to go over here for sure. Like, but there are sometimes when there's a good that God sees, that we need to come over here, but you don't like it, so you keep going that way. Here's, here's the challenge. You can keep pulling. The challenge is, God's not moving. OK? Look, I'm, I'm honest, I'm, I'm, the good that you need is over here, but you know, but you feel the good over there. So stop pulling for a second, because because here's the thing. We oftentimes pit our desires against God's as though it's bad against good. And that's not actually how this works. There are oftentimes things that literally are good that are just not where God wants to be. So you keep trying to go towards your good, and God ain't going nowhere. And eventually God says, okay, well, go for it. So here's the challenge, the humility that's required, says, Benji, come back over here for a second. The good that's required, excuse me, the humility that's required when this, is, when this conflict is in play is an acknowledgement that the goodness of God that God sees is far more good than you can imagine. This is a God that sees all things, the past, the present, and the future, and quite honestly, I don't even remember what I ate for, uh, for dinner a couple of days ago. Right? We have to have a humility that says that if this is a God that sees all things, my good is always going to be one-dimensional in comparison. Right? And so when I'm pulling over and God is like, listen, I'm not going to drag you, but I'm going to stand here for a minute until you get it together. More times than not, though, more times than not, we get into a space of rebellion, and God actually just lets go. I'm gonna let you get the good you thought you wanted. And when you, and when it actually comes to to head that you could not see five years down the road, (laughs) and I could, when you could not see that relationship panning out the way that it did, and I could, when you could not see how getting that loan was way more than you needed. (laughs) And I could. In God's mercy, God comes over and says, hey, you ready? Okay, this is the good I was talking about. Okay, right? It's not, it's not, okay, thank you, Benji. It's not about, yeah, Benji. It's not about, I feel like sometimes when we talk about God being Lord, we talk about this puppeteer, yes. and it really is a partnership. Yes. 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 That doesn't mean that, that God and I are equal, right. Right. right? You can partner with people who have more authority than you. Right. Right. You can partner with people who have less authority than you. It's a partnership, and that partnership is such that God wants you to willingly participate with His Lordship, but will not make you do so. And that's why Jesus can say, there's a whole bunch of people who are out here saying that I'm Lord, but they're really not following me, and when we get to the end of the road, I will tell you, I have no idea who you are, because I was trying to go right, and you were pulling to the left the whole time. If you don't follow my teaching, then everything you're building is going to crumble. It's not because God wants to see us fail. It's because God can see five years ahead and we can't. This is a God that can see the whole of time. All of the details, the hearts of the people in which we're in relationship with, I cannot. So it behooves me to let this creator of all things, guide me, and not fight it. And when I find myself fighting it and the discomfort that comes along with that, because let me make it, let's make it real clear, God does not make it easy to fight him. <laughs> I'm just being honest. It doesn't. There's too many portions of Scripture that make that very clear. It's not like it's a partnership, but it's like, listen, okay? I'm the one with the big draws in this, <laughs> in this partnership, okay? <laughs> okay? I'm the one that actually sees and knows all things. There are times that the Lord of creation, because of his love, is willing to go with us because, you know what, that ain't going to really do nothing. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a harm. It's actually going to bring joy to your life. And I like you experiencing joy. I like you experiencing joy so much that when you can't see the good that you want panning out poorly, I'm willing to stand still you, until you are willing to move with me. So- and you feel the discomfort of, uh, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go. It's not working out. It's not working out. It's not working out because I ain't the direction you're supposed to go. And when you do get over there, it's rocky as all get out because the Lord is not with you over there. It's not that he's abandoned you, right? I'm not trying to pretend that that's what happens, but his favor isn't over there. That's not his will over there. So why is he going to make it good for you over there? <laughs> it's not going to make it comfy. <laughs> like no, it's going to be rocky. It's going to be rocky. Come back over here, son. Why would I come to that conclusion? Another thing that Jesus says. Chapter 11. Come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The last thing here, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That's not how many of us have been taught about Jesus' yokes and burdens. We've been taught that Jesus wants to dictate every part of my life in such a way that I will experience no freedom. And we just kind of... We don't really even surrender, we just out of fear go with it. I want to break that up in us. It is not God's desire to puppeteer or to fear you into obedience. It is God's desire for you that because of your trust of His unfailing and unwavering love and desire for your holistic, eternal good. Eternity doesn't start when you die. It's it's now. Eternal good. I'm willing to go even if I don't understand it completely, even if I don't fully agree, even if it's challenging, even if I really, really want what's over there. Are you sure we can't take both? No? Okay. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, and if you talk to anybody who's lived that over there real quick and then found out that this is over here is better, I'm telling you it's lighter. (laughs) I'm telling you the burden is lighter. The yoke is easy over here. And it doesn't always feel that way at the beginning. I'm just being honest. It doesn't always feel that way at the beginning. But just like a good parent doesn't always give you what feels good but is for your good, this loving Father that we sing about all the time is more concerned about my eternal good than my current comfort and willing to stretch me a little bit to get the good that he sees that I can never see. Yoke is easy, burden is light. I can say that in 10 minutes. (laughs) Brenda's like, yeah. I can say that in 10 minutes, but most of us, it takes us 10 years to learn that. It does. Most of us have to go through this little section over here real quick. I'm a, I am a, the second born of my household um, and I have always been good at learning things secondhand <laughs> listen listen I didn't just get hand-me-down clothes okay I got hand-me-down punishments and, I'm like, and what I mean by that is I didn't have to go through it <laughs> I'm like hey I learned that lesson from you <laughs> and so I'm letting you know as per- particularly those of you sisters and brothers who are younger I'm telling you now, I'm telling you, you might not believe it (laughs) because you might want to just test it, but if you do, don't stay long (laughs) because it is rocky over there and it is heavier than you think it will be. The pleasure that you desire that's over there is way heavier than you think it will be. And even if you have to just stand still with God for a moment and debate, <laughs> I'd rather you debate with God than rebel. Or okay. oh, some of you are like, oh, wait a minute, that, that's like insubordinate and, and irreverent and disrespectful. Listen, it's more disrespectful and irreverent to just go your own way. God is patient enough for me to explain to him why I want what I want and for him to tell me, yeah, you, I know you want it, son, but <laughs> I got some other things. Yeah, but I really don't even want that. I know you don't, but you will in six years. But I don't even, I don't, like, I can't see six years. I can I will never want that. Yeah, you will. I've literally said these things to God. Like, I will never want that. Ten years later, I want that all of a sudden. (laughs) This is the God of all creation that cares about me enough to stand still and not drag me, but also cares enough to not be dragged by my desire. By the good that I can't, that my one dimensional good, this is our God. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of us already are like, I don't hear from God like all the time. I'd still rather you stand there until you have confirmation rather than just go with what you, go with that idea that you, in the pit of your soul, know. Mm. That's not exactly it. Jesus desires this dynamic relationship with us that is less about what we do and what we don't do and more about just being with him. So just be with him. Even if that means for a second or for two months, y'all go back and forth. One of the things that Lisa says, uh, our spiritual pharmacy director, she says that uh, Jesus is not in a rush. (laughs) we feel more urgency than Jesus does. Jesus is the one that says, I'll be back soon, and then 2,000 years later, he still ain't back. (laughs) He's not in a rush. We are more anxious about the good that we desire than Jesus is, so he can wait patiently with us while we figure out how we want to make him Lord today. So a question that you should ask yourself daily, that you may not be asking, but I'm going to give to you, is Jesus my Lord? And I need us to take a second to think about it. Cause you might've made him your savior, but is he your Lord? And if he's just your savior, trust me, when, thing, when the funk hits the fan and you mess up, you're gonna be real anxious because you're going to feel like you need another Savior. You need him to save you all over again. But let me tell you, when you make him your Lord, it's different. The yoke is easy. The burden is light. When you're just walking with him, it is far less complex than just a Savior relationship. Because that Savior relationship is messy. It's bloody. and it it had a purpose and God, Jesus will always be our one and only Savior but if we keep him on the cross and never take a walk with him come on family if we keep him on the cross and never take a walk with him when we get to the end of the road Chase, I know you was hoping I was your Savior and I am, but you didn't make me a Lord I legit have no idea who you are And I don't care how many great sermons you had. And I don't care how many great songs you wrote. I don't care how many times people was running around the room and caught the Holy Spirit from when you were singing. I don't know you. And that's all I got. Is Jesus my Lord? best way to find out is to do some soul searching. David has this thing in one of the Psalms. He says, search me, know me, try my anxious thoughts, right? That's that kind of prayer. God, show me where you're not my Lord. Not just a yes or no question. Sometimes this thing has ripples. Show me where I'm not actually following you. Show me where I'm in debate, and I've been in debate for five years with you. Show me. Some of you are afraid to ask that because you're afraid of what people told you about God punishing and smiting. Let me tell you, that kind of prayer offered with a sincere expectation that God would reveal to you, God's just going to reveal it. He's going to show you. That's all. It's really, that's what's going to happen. Sometimes that might be in a dream. Sometimes that may be in a dynamic one-on-one conversation with the Lord. Sometimes it's in a random song that comes on the radio. And we start wrestling for a minute. And we realize, oh, I didn't actually give you that part of who I am. My bad. Here you go. I can say it in 10 minutes. That doesn't make it easy. I'm not pretending it's easy, but I am saying that is the way that this is. That's the way that, that's who we are as followers of Christ. For is Jesus my Lord? The second is a statement. If he's not, he can be. (laughs) You don't ever get to a space where you're so far in the direction that you wanna go that Jesus isn't willing to come hang out with you and bring you back to the middle. That's not how this works. That's not who a good shepherd is. A good shepherd doesn't see the future and pretend that he doesn't know what's happening. (laughs) Like, yeah, whatever. No. I'm not telling you to wander, but I'm saying if you do and you realize you are, Don't be so afraid to stop dead in your tracks and say, yo, I'm not where I feel like I should be. Help me. It's not even a long process when we say things like help me. It really isn't. Again, I'm just, I know that some of us have not yet had that experience, but I'm telling you from experience, it's not long when I realize that I am living in opposition to my Lord, when I say, help me, it's pretty quick. And the things that are rocky start to smooth out. And the things that are bumpy get a little more straight because his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. He wants you to be in a partnership with him that says, you see all things. I'll just keep telling you what I see. And then when I want to go and you're willing, we'll do it. But when you want to go right, I'm willing. That's what this is, family. Do away with the idea that God wants to puppet you. Move into a reality that God wants to partner for your good. Let me tell you real quick what that mathematic equation is in the kingdom. Whatever glorifies the Father is for our good. Period. So you don't ever have to wonder if it's going to be good for me to glorify God. It will be. Trust me. That's how it works out. Every single time, when I'm concerned about the glory of the Father, good is the inevitable result. Take a second and breathe. Let that settle in. Sister Angie. Yes. And she is being obedient to him today to share some of her story with us. So, Angie, you take it from here. Praise
1: the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And yes, God is my Lord and Savior. Amen. <laughs> well, back in 2021, I was blessed by the three C's, which was Christ, Chase, and Christine. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> me and my granddaughter who's sitting back there. So, we didn't have anywhere to go, and they put us up in a hotel. I mean, continuously, continuously giving us food. Then we ended up at my mother's, which is across the street, and they were steady feeding us, steady financing, and. We met Samson, and so, (laughs) you know, we met the dog, praise God. But this family has been good to us. But what they didn't know was I was battling an addiction of crack cocaine, alcohol, and tobacco. And I was also on the run. So when I felt like things were closing in on me, I got my granddaughter, and I'm like, let's go. We went to Orlando, Florida. She was nine, she'll be 11 next month. So, this little girl, she's away from her mother, she's hanging with her Grammy, and we're having a ball, but I'm trying to do everything that I possibly can to keep her happy, to keep her with me. We're out in Daytona Beach and everything, you know? I would never get in the water, but she talked me into it, (laughs) you know? And so, eventually she came to me one day and she said, Grammy, we gotta go back to Michigan. And I'm like, poo-poo, if we go back to Michigan, I'm going to prison. She Hmm. said, Grammy, we gotta go back. So I just came home from prison three weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) And when I tell you, when I tell you, if it had not been for my granddaughter, Lily, come here. If it had not been for my grandbaby, while we're in prison, the Lord anointed me. It is his purpose. We all have a purpose. The Lord anointed me. This is my grandbaby. This is my granddaughter who says that her calling is to help the homeless. And when the homeless people get a house, they get a homeless animal. <laughs> Praise God. So my grandson is back there and they're cousins. And I said, y'all can work together and call it Cats and Cousins. Cats. Amen. <laughs> you can go sit out, baby. Yeah. So while we're in prison, the Lord anointed me to write a book, which is called For Such a Time as This. And while I'm walking in my calling in prison, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> to God be the glory. Amen. They started calling me bougie. So I started saying Bougie for Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) So when I came home, I decided that my clothing line is now Bougie for Jesus. Amen. (laughs) So I was meditating one day and I heard God say, I call you Rose. Blew my mind that God would change my name. The streets called me China. My mother named me Angelique. And God told me one day that Rose had left him, but in order for Rose to come back, China had to die, not Angie, but China. I no longer allow people to call me China anymore. You could call me Rose, or you could call me Angie. And he told me one day, he said, how many times need I say it's a waste of your time, child, please don't run away. You're soon to come back, or will it be too late? Lost in the darks and the depths of the sea, hoping someone will come and find thee. Then there you go again, screaming my name, Father God, Father God, why haven't you came? For I've been here all the time, it's your sins you need to blame. For my words say, knock and the door shall be open. Seek and ye shall find. Then I'll sit back and I'll do your time. I'll make sure you commit no more crimes. He said, just bring your life and give it to me for the heavenly kingdom is a sure guarantee. He said, you tried the dope, now look for hope. You ran the streets, now read the Bible and get some real relief. He said, you put on a jacket and thought you're in the gang trying to be cute because you wanted to hang. Token to token, thought you were getting high, you were getting all right, getting ready to die. Leaving your sister and leaving your brothers, leaving your children without a mom. He said, take my words and read from Psalms. He said, you've been everywhere now come with me. Let me show you how your life really should be. He said, cross the path and make a right on Moses drive. Pull beside any old magic because we've He said, knowing the plans that I have for thee, I'm going to ask you one more time will you live your life for me, Angelie? And that's when I know that the door to my past had closed and God said, Welcome home, Rose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Listen, I remember you, Rose, I really do. And um, what you all don't know is there's probably two or three people that come into our church building who need help or call from around the neighborhood. And it's always like this weird kinda, what do we do? (laughs) The silent sea was Candace (laughs) and all of what was going on. You don't always know what's happening, but you trust that God is working beyond what you can do and I'm grateful I'm grateful I'm grateful that's all I got I don't even have words because I just I'm grateful thank you Lord that you change our names even if no one ever calls us anything different you change our names You give us a new identity. And when we walk in your lordship, the identity that you've given us, it is good. And it is fruitful. It's not just good for us, but it's good for our grandchildren. This is what I mean why we can't see all of it. It's good for generations beyond what we can see. And I believe wholeheartedly that your great-great-grandchildren will be blessed by how you follow after God. I Just do. I don't have anything else. So if Jesus is not your Lord, he can be. There's no sales pitch. It just is what it is. If Jesus is not your Lord, he can be. Is there anyone who would like to make Jesus their Lord? I don't even have to come up here, just like, yo, do a little bit of a wave. bet. I see it. I love it. This uh, this decision of making Jesus your Lord is not a unique and special collection of words that you say to make it happen. I'm going to give you what you can say every single morning. Jesus, I make you my Lord today. I want to go where you're going. I want to do what you're doing and when my own desires fight that help me to surrender that's it it's no more magical than that and we can daily say that father we are full thank you for your presence and your power we give you praise You have shattered bondage. You have shattered chains. You have not just loosed them. You have pulverized them, Jesus. They are unrecognizable. Generational curses have been made into dust. And we are grateful. We celebrate with our sister, but Lord, you are doing that in our lives. We carried things in here with us this morning that we have been dragging around simply because in that area of our life, you were not our Lord. And God, we lay them down. Will you make dust of them too, Jesus? Will you make them unrecognizable so that I cannot pick it back up? Give me a desire that reflects yours. Give me a will that looks just like yours. Give me a heart that beats just like yours and an imagination that is as vast as yours. Help me trust you even more than I did yesterday. And help me love you with my whole self. Help me love my neighbor as myself. And when I get turned around, not if, when, help me to come back quickly. Help us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.
1: Amen.